for the longest time as a brand owner, I focused on selling on my own website and spent a massive amount on customer acquisition costs. Amazon and Flipkart almost happened like late realization when we incidentally started doing certain things right and found it so much more easier to get new customers. This episode is mostly around trying to put out a framework to help you scale the revenue from your listings on Amazon. Welcome to the business project and I am your host Rahul Jacob. And on this podcast, you find answers to your most puzzling business questions. On today's episode, we have Akshay Punjabi, who leads performance marketing in the marketplaces vertical for Mensa brands. Mensa is an e-commerce roll-up that acquires brands and scales them. Akshay has personally worked with a range of brands in the F&B, beauty and personal care space and helped most of these brands reach the first page on Amazon. On this episode, we go over a vast variety of topics ranging from why Amazon is a good channel to sell on, competitor research, scaling reviews, mechanisms to predict order volume and much more. Listen in. Hey Akshay, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad that we are finally recording this episode. So I actually want to start off by asking you, how did you get introduced to Amazon? And I'm mainly asking this because when marketers look at performance marketing as a career option, they do it because they choose between Facebook or Google. How did you decide that you want to help brands scale on Amazon or other marketplaces for that matter? It's, it's good to connect with you as well, Rahul. I think this has been in the works for quite some time. So it's good that we are finally doing this today. And just to give you a brief, in this case, unlike, you know, case where you choose something, Amazon actually chose me. It was during my previous stint at, uh, at Growisto that I got introduced to Amazon as a platform. And it was the year 2018 since I started working on it. It's been four wonderful years, I would say, and something that I not only cherish, but I'm actually looking forward to in the future as well, because, you know, because of the kind of growth that Amazon is uh, showing on a year-on-year basis as a platform. So, yeah. Yeah, the marketplaces do have massive scope for growth in the coming years. So, actually, you currently work at Mensa Brands, right? Can you tell us a little bit about your current role? Correct. Yes. So, I'm currently leading the performance marketing piece for marketplaces at Mensa. So, we primarily focus on Amazon and Walmart as the two marketplaces from a business perspective. And when we talk about Amazon, it's not just limited to India, but also comprises of other global marketplaces of Amazon like US, Canada, UK, Germany, UAE, Singapore, etc. As we speak, there are 23 brands that we are currently working with and they are selling all across the globe on, on various Amazon marketplaces. Awesome. So last year in 2021, Amazon clocked in about $31 billion in ad revenue, which is even more than YouTube. And if you were to look at the quarter two earnings release of Amazon, their revenue is only going to increase this year as well. And I think many marketers also understand that Amazon is a place that you can get three to five X of your investment that you put in. Uh, Could you maybe elaborate on why this is the case and how has Amazon become a very cost-effective channel to acquire customers over other mediums? Right. So I think for any D2C or a digital-first brand, right, there are predominantly two channels which dominate on the whole revenue generation part. One would be their own website and the second would be marketplaces. And Amazon is one of the marketplaces uh, when we talk about So. On their own website, they could, you know, drive traffic from various channels like Facebook, Instagram, Google, 
YouTube, etc. But when it comes to Amazon, they have their own ads manager, uh, their portal through which you can target Amazon's consumers and try to drive the traffic onto your listing, right? Now, the fundamental difference between the two is that whenever you drive traffic onto your product listings on Amazon, whatever sales history that you are able to generate, whatever user data that you're able to generate in terms of orders, in terms of sales, is going to be beneficial for you to push your organic sales as well. Unlike on your website, when you're trying to push traffic from Google, Facebook, Instagram, that doesn't help you to build your SEO, your, your organic traffic on your website. So what happens is you have to do a separate set of activities to build your organic visibility for your website. And the paid traffic is just paid traffic. It just comes, converts, and goes. Of course, you have user data available with you, but you, you cannot leverage that over a long term by improving your organic visibility. Unlike that in Amazon, whatever spends that you do on the ads part really benefit you by building your organic rankings and organic sales. So which is why the ROI on Amazon is better. Second reason is in case of your website, when you're trying to drive traffic on your website, what you have to do is you have to first drive traffic and then you have to do certain things so that it converts, right? When it comes to Amazon, the platform already has traffic ready-made available to you. All that you need to do is attract the right consumers and convert. So there is one and driving traffic, getting the right people is more difficult than influencing conversion. So you can, you can still do 10 things which can influence conversion, but getting the right people is something which is very critical. And, and in case of your own website, you need to do both. Versus on Amazon, you need to predominantly focus on conversion. Traffic is already there. If you know how to go about attracting the right people, it will convert better. The third thing that we need to look at is, let's say you are doing certain campaigns on Google also. It's not necessary that the user is looking to buy something. Versus an Amazon, where it is clear that Amazon today is the largest search engine with the buying intent. When anybody comes on Amazon, it's clear that he or she wants to buy something, which is why the conversion on Amazon is itself better because people are coming with a buying intent and you're showing an advertisement or, or your product with a buying intent versus a Google or an Instagram when you're, you're just uh, scrolling your feed and uh, it just comes up stop now or buy now. You might not even have an intent to buy. So people might still check it out and just get dropped off because they were not intending to. Right. So I think these are the three aspects why Amazon is, is you know, better in terms of ROI as compared to driving traffic on your own website. And in terms of uh, any new brand or new seller who wants to start their own brand, it's always better to leverage marketplaces as a major revenue driver for the business because it's a very low cost setup that you can do to get things rolling. Right Today, if you want to build a good website, there is a lot of investment that goes into actually building the website. Then there is an investment that goes into in, in driving the traffic and then doing certain things through which conversion can happen. Right? Versus on a marketplace, it's like a plug and play model where you can do 
uh, where a lot of things are already available. It's only about being a part of that ecosystem and trying to do things right uh, to, to scale the business, which is why I always say that if you're a new brand, try to focus more on the marketplaces. Of course, the negative is that you don't get any user data. You can't use the phone numbers, the addresses of the people and try to remarket your products back to them. But uh, initially, when you're trying to look at it from a bootstrap business point of view or from a point of view of testing out your product first and then trying to go all guns blazing if it works out, it's better to start off with a channel which has low investment requirements. And I think Amazon is one of those channels which have a low investment requirement in the beginning. It's only later that, you know, when you want to scale, you do a lot of investments. Unlike in website where you need to invest a lot in the beginning to set it up properly and then start doing your activities to scale the business. Yeah, that makes sense. So I actually want to move towards Amazon listings now. So before listing, I think there are three prerequisites that are required. The quality of the product, the packaging and the pricing. So that being said, what are some pointers that you think a brand must focus on before listing on Amazon? Right. So one is, I think, in terms of the cataloging. So when I say cataloging, it means how are you going to market your product, right? What is the way in which you will describe your product? And this happens in two ways. One is the actual content that you write on which you see on the Amazon marketplace when you search for a product. And second are the creative aspects, which are the videos and and the images that you see on the platform. So I think these two are also something which are very necessary which need to be prepared beforehand. Of course, you can take something random and still launch the product, but it is not something which will benefit you in any way when you start selling on Amazon. So correct me if I'm wrong, you are saying put up good product shots, create A plus content and then start with the listings, is it? Yes, so not only product shots and A plus, but also the actual content. So when I say content, it it comprises of four parts. One is the title of of your product, one is the bulletin features, then there is product description and the fourth part is something which is not visible to any consumer on the front end, but it's extremely important, which is the backend search terms or the backend keywords. So these are the four things that need to be optimized before launching the product so that when you start selling, there is already a good product that has been visible on the front end. And just to give you one more aspect the first 45 days on amazon is like the honeymoon period for any product amazon as a platform loves new products in the first 45 days or so you would see that the products are getting visibility even with a very minimal push from your side let's say in in terms of advertising or anything of that sort so that is something that amazon from an algorithm standpoint gives to a product in the initial 45 days Now, so the traffic will be there. Now, if you want to convert that traffic, your listing needs to be optimized and the content and and the imagery is something which is extremely important from that standpoint because it's it's basically a deal breaker if you do not cash in on those initial 45 days. You, You really need to make good use of it, build a good foundation on which you can then build subsequently. Tell me more about this 45-day period. What happens to the listing after this period? So uh, in the first 45 days, what Amazon from an algorithm standpoint also does is it shows your products on 
various keywords at various positions tries to gauge the user uh, reception to your product whether if somebody is clicking is the person buying is the person writing a negative review is he writing a positive review so that entire user journey is being tracked by amazon in the back end and there's something called as a sales history that gets developed for a product now that then becomes like a foundation or a fundamental on which then you need to build on by giving the push based on the data that you collect in the first 45 days right so it's like exploratory phase for both for amazon as well as for the person who has launched the product where amazon understands about your product from the user behavior as well as we also do the same but it's just that we get certain different metrics to track which which we utilize and and cash on later on interesting so i just want to move to competitor research now i know that there's a lot of information that can be derived about what's working for the others uh, be it through reviews or even their products for that matter um, so just want to understand more about how do you go about competitor research so to begin with uh, one of the things which are very very critical on the competitor research side is to understand and choose the right competitors first now how do you really choose the right competitors so whatever idea or whatever product that you have in mind try to you know compare that with some of the existing products both from a visual standpoint as well as from a positioning standpoint it's very important to get sort of a cohesion between the two otherwise we will end up benchmarking ourselves or researching the wrong competitors and doing that is even more are uh, dangerous and not researching competitors at all let's say i'm a shoe brand and i want to sell shoes on amazon today if you search for shoes on amazon you will find shoes which are selling for 500 rupees also which would be let's say of sparks or any other brands which which would be selling at a cheaper rate then you would have the nike and the adidas and the puma and the others where it can go as high as 10000 also now suppose if i am coming up with a shoe ba- shoe brand right if i am trying to look at reviews of product which is at 500 rupees but actually i am having a product which is of a quality which should sell at 2000 rupees i would not be doing the right benchmarks plus the user base that a product has is defined by the price point on amazon india particularly so you need to identify who are the right consumers for you and then accordingly look at benchmarking yourself against the products which they are buying so an apple consumer for example would would work very differently as compared to a micromax buying com- consumer so benchmarking against the right competitor also enables us to rightfully understand what their users are talking about another thing to note is that uh, what aspects of the products are they highlighting now a particular product can have 20 to 30 features let's say let's take this uh, feature of chopping board itself you know it has rounded edges it is scratch resistant it is anti skid it is it is made up of stainless steel so it never gets rusted it is having certain arrangement done in such a way that you can hang it easily in your kitchen so similarly there will be a lot of features that your product might have but what specific features should you highlight 
is something which you can understand from your competitors by studying the listing of your competitors and by studying not just one but looking at 10 more listings so if you know that there is a particular seller who has 10000 reviews on the product and it is 4.5 stars and the content is written in a particular way they have highlighted certain points in the content you know that you don't need to reinvent the wheel right you can simply just put up those content pieces i mean those pointers that they have highlighted write it in your own language in terms of your own brand tonality and present that to the consumer you don't need to start thinking from the scratch oh should i mention more about the anti slip feature should i mention more about the scratch resistant feature so on and so forth so that is that is another benefit of competition analysis that we can utilize when we are trying to sell on a marketplace such as amazon so that's the first thing so second thing would be uh, the product reviews that they have already got now from a reviews perspective we need to look at both positive as well as negative reviews positive reviews to understand what is it that the users are liking in the product so that when we are trying to you know showcase our products we will try to highlight those features better in my optimization stage which was the pre launch stage and try to Im- improvise in such a way that when somebody is looking at my listing they find those two three things that they are actually interested in and they straight away click on the buy now button and they end up make- placing the order second way in which reviews help is by looking at the negative reviews so there are a lot of nitpicky points which come out when you study the negative reviews of any competitor for example if you look at a stainless steel chopping board which sells on amazon right there is a standard size of 30 by 20 30 cm by 20 cm which a lot of sellers are selling already and these sellers have upwards of 5000 reviews so they have been there for quite some time now when they are doing it one of the things that you will see when you actually go and research is that while they are selling that 30 cross 20 cm product people are actually feeling that it's a very small product right because they want something which is bigger in size now this kind of an input can help you to understand that okay while people are selling 13 to 20 cm people are looking for something bigger and which is why when you are trying to create your product you should look at a bigger size at the same time there are aspects like scratches that are being developed on the chopping board with time so that tells you that if you can come up with a product which is scratch resistant and market that by saying it everywhere whether it's the images whether it's you know the content that my product is scratch resistant that will go in a very big way in terms of your success on amazon because people are really interested in having a scratch resistant product so these kind of aspects are very very useful when we try to look at uh, you know the review aspect of our competitors third thing i think is benchmarking on price so when you know that there are certain functionalities in your product you can go back and look at what is the price point that a product is being sold with these functionalities by other people and then accordingly arrive at at least a ballpark pricing that can be useful to you so that it doesn't happen that you would think that okay this will sell at 2000 rupees 
but these functionality in a product are actually selling at 800 rupees if you launch with the wrong price it is going to be very difficult for you to forget about scaling get even some initial traction on it because it is so cutthroat that today even on your product listing when you go at the bottom amazon will display other similar products as well so if you are for no reason pricing your point high and you can't justify that price from your listing you will be driven out of the market even before starting so competition analysis also helps you to do the right price benchmarking and actually set that ex- ex- expectation right in the mind of the consumer in terms of what he or she is getting by buying that product so i think yeah these the top 3 aspects that we should uh, when when we are trying to research our competitors to summarize what you just said number 1 is to identify the right competitors both from a positioning and visual standpoint number 2 is to take pointers for product development from both the positive and negative reviews of competitors and number 3 is to price the product adequately as per the competitor products i think this is a very comprehensive list in terms of how to do competitor research um so now what i want to move on to is in this entire research process there might be a lot of manual work in terms of going through different listings are there any web scraper tools that you recommend for simplifying this entire process right so there are a couple of tools which are available in order to do that one is called helium 10 which is a very well known in the amazon seller community and the second is keepa so both these tools have their individual chrome extensions and these are available for free so what you can do is you can actually go and install it from the chrome extension store so it will appear at the top right hand corner on your browser as soon as you search on amazon let's say i search shopping board okay i click on the chrome extension it will automatically scrape through that page and get you the data of all products which are there on first page including their specific identification number their title their brand name reviews the number of ratings the pricing everything so what happens is you can then download this in the form of an excel file and then you can play around with it basis what you want to look at right so that is that is something which is useful Yeah I've used some of these tools myself and I must say that it's been a life savior. So I just want to shift to reviews now. Uh, you brought this up sometime back yourself and you said that the top listings on Amazon usually have a lot of reviews and if you were to open any of those top listings it has an upwards of 10k reviews. Now me as an individual if I were to look at my purchase history I would have reviewed maybe 3 times out of the 50 odd purchases that I've done. uh but as a brand how do we work around this and organically scale up the reviews on the listing right so i think that's a very valid point i think so to tell you the review to order ratio typically on amazon is between 1 to 5% depending on what category you are looking at so for every 100 orders there would be 1 to 5 reviews only that will actually come in so that's a very valid point now the way to grow reviews organically is is that you know that two things one is that there are certain third party tools available which integrate with your seller account and you can actually create email templates that you would want to be shared uh with the consumer asking for an unbiased review 
Now you can also set up what time of the day should the review email go after how many days of actual dispatch or receive of the order should the email go to a consumer how many times the email should go so you can have like let's say two emailers go to the to the consumer one three days after delivery one seven days after delivery so on and so forth so there are tools like feedback express then there is sales there is you know helium 10 itself has its own uh, review email tool as well there is sage mailer so there are a, a, a bunch of tools like these available in the market which can enable us to actually go and ask for an unbiased review and not only product review but they can ask for seller reviews as well seller ratings are also something which are very critical from an account health standpoint so they can ask for both the things the second way is something that i you know normally tell the brand owners that i work with to do is that they can use certain insert cards or certain qr codes etc which they can send along with the product in their packaging itself and they can ask for them for people to review on them right now one thing to be noted very very critically is that amazon is very stringent when it comes to monitoring malpractices on the review part particularly if you yeah. even in the review email if you say things like please uh, click on this link and rate us five star that is against amazon policies whenever you ask for a review it needs to be unbiased you cannot uh, let's say ask the reviewer in such a way that they will be obliged to write a better review even if they feel that the product is not good similarly there are a lot of people who who send these insert cards saying that okay you write a review and then send the screenshot of the review to us on so and so number on whatsapp and we will give you the entire cashback or we will give you x percentage cashback you know those kind of things are not in line with the amazon policies if amazon catches you uh, it can even deactivate your listing or ban your seller account altogether so okay. need to be very careful with the language that is mentioned on the review email template at the same time what is it that we are writing on the insert cards or whatever product mention that we are doing on our packaging but yeah these are the two ways generally that you can use to generate reviews organically there are a lot of black hat uh, methodologies that a lot of sellers out there do in order to generate fake reviews by tapping into some network of people by working with some agencies who will say that okay you pay us so and so amount per review and we'll get you by through through our people network etc now you can do that but i mean trust me when i say this i have seen accounts get suspended for something that they did 3 years back okay there was a us brand that i was working with in the personal care space one year earlier and they were caught for doing this activity which they had done 3 years back okay they had like 12000 reviews and they were their listing was suppressed and the listing was removed they had to actually request amazon and submit a complete plan of action to demonstrate that they will never do this again and if in case they do they can their seller account can be deactivated right so it's a very serious offense that amazon considers if you try to manipulate 
the reviews or, or try to impact the reviews that the users are going to give in it. You need to be very careful with that. What do you think of this method where brands do influencer marketing at scale? Let's say like 500 to 1000 influencers. They ask them to purchase the product on Amazon, do the collaboration, be it a video or a post on social media, and then also have them review the product on Amazon in the end. No, so see, Amazon has its own program that they have come up with now, which is called as an Amazon influencer program itself, right? Brands can surely work with those uh, and, and get it done. And that would be something which would be very legal way of doing it. But if they are doing it outside the Amazon ecosystem, then it is still considered as a paid review activity and you can get caught in the process. So there is a separate program on Amazon called as an Amazon influencer program where you can get this thing rolling. And in fact, in the US earlier, there used to be a program called as an Amazon Vine program also, wherein there were a set of people who were uh, part of the Vine reviewer uh, network. So Amazon used to give products to these people and then they used to write an unbiased review on the product at that point in time. But then that, that program was recently discontinued by Amazon in the US and in India, it was never available. So in India, I think it's only the Amazon influencer program, which is coming up. It's still in beta version in, in many cases, but uh, it's, it's something which will be a legal way to ask for a review. Although that also needs to be an unbiased review. It cannot be something where you're trying to pay to get five star reviews, right? Anything where you're trying to influence user decision-making on the listing is something which is against Amazon. Okay, fair enough. So I also want to briefly touch upon the ads because that's your forte as well. Um, what are the kind of ads to start off with and how should a brand identify the right keywords to use early on? Right, so see from Amazon's standpoint, there are four ad types which are available. There is sponsored products, sponsored brands, sponsored brand video and sponsored display, which are available as ad types on Amazon. Typically, in the beginning, when you start selling on Amazon, it's better to start with sponsored products predominantly. So under sponsored products also, there are different types of campaigns. Broadly, you can divide them into auto campaigns and manual campaigns. And manual campaigns also, I'm specifically going to touch upon the keyword targeting campaigns. So in the beginning, when you don't know on what keywords your product is going to convert, it's always good to start off with an auto campaign and see what is the kind of traction and conversion that you are getting on the various keywords that the auto campaign would be venturing into. Using the data from the auto campaign, there could be a lot of insights that can be used to build the manual campaigns, right? But even on day zero, for that matter, you can still create a manual campaign because the keyword level data is available from a lot of tools on Amazon. There are two predominantly used tools that I would touch upon. One is Helium 10, which we already spoke about. And second is Amazon Grand Analytics. So these are uh, two tools from where you can actually understand what are the various searches that are actually happening on Amazon platform. Let's say, I mean, Amazon brand analytics is something that you get as soon as you become a, a brand registered owner uh, of an account on Amazon. So that's coming to you by default, right? 
Helium 10 is an expensive tool. It might not be feasible for everybody to take it up in the beginning itself, which is why there is one more hack that they can use is they can go on the Amazon platform on the front end, amazon.in, amazon.com, whatever. And in the search bar, just type one word which is relevant to the product. For example, I would type, uh, let's say shoes in the search bar. So you will see different, different suggestions that come from Amazon out there. Like shoes for men, shoes for kids, shoes for boys, you know, shoes, of, shoes for men under 1000 rupees, etc. Now those are the keywords that actually people are searching for on Amazon. And that's the reason why Amazon is showing that as suggestions. Right? So in the beginning, if you do not have access to a tool like Helium 10, you can also use these Amazon suggested keywords by typing things out on the search bar on Amazon and use them to build your campaigns, your manual campaigns. So, yeah. so that's the end. Then, of course, there will be more and more data coming in from the auto campaigns on a regular basis. Those can be used for further, you know, enriching your campaigns and further casting a wider net as you go on more and more keywords and expanding on that. It's good that you brought up brand analytics because that was going to be my next question. Amazon gives access to a lot of data for brands to scale and brand analytics is one such medium. Can you share a little bit about how brands can use this data for growth? Sure. So there are three important things that one can understand by looking at the brand analytics tool. One is, as I told you, what are the searches that are happening on Amazon? So it gives you, let's say, if you just type uh, shoes, right, it will give you the various keywords which contain the word shoes in them and top three products which are being clicked on that keyword, right? So let's say shoes for men, product one, product two, product three, click share of product one, conversion share of product one and so on, right? So it tells you the click share as well as the conversion share. So that tells you that, okay, if I am a brand who's selling a mid premium shoe, right? What kind of keywords that I should look for? Because if I target shoes as a keyword, today I see that the people who are actually buying the click share is more on products like Sparks and Bata and, you know, all these lower end, uh, price point products and if I come up with a 2500 rupee shoe I might not convert as well on a keyword like shoe I might have to look at some other keywords where the click share is on a similar product type as what I am trying to right so that's one thing yeah in terms of which keywords to look for the second thing that we can get is behavior of the consumers in terms of what do they buy together generally Right? So there is a tab called as a market basket analysis there, where what they show is whenever your consumer is buying your product, what are the other products that they are buying together along with you? So what does that tell you? That tells you that as a brand, what is it that you should also launch and then combine it as a form of a combo so that the consumer can directly buy that from you. That is hassle-free for the consumer also, and at the same time, it benefits you also because it increases your order value. So market basket analysis is going to enable you to give inputs on what kind of combos you should launch for your products. Should it is it that I have launched a, a product where I'm just selling, let's say, 
three three glasses, right? And people are actually whenever they are buying, they are looking for six glasses, so they end up buying two packs together, right? So can I launch a pack of two of my glasses? So and and give a discount over it so that the consumers will be more incentivized to buy that, and it is validated by data that people buy six glasses in one go, right? It's not that they buy three glasses. So these kind of things can be useful from the market basket data. And the third thing is alternate purchase behavior. So whenever the consumer is coming on my listing and not buying my product, then what is it that the consumer is buying? That helps me to understand which is the competitor to whom I'm not able to win against. And then is there anything that I can do to change it? Which products are they buying? Is it that I can do something differently in my product so that they do not buy the alternate product, they buy my product? So these are like the three broad inputs that we can get from Amazon brand analytics too. I think before we wrap this recording up, it's important to cover some of the best practices in terms of setting the North Star metric and also predict the future sales volume. So how do you suggest brands go about doing this? Right. So in terms of, you know, creating that North Star, it's very, very critical because not every product sells lakhs of unit per month, right? There will be certain products which might just be selling thousand per month to certain ones which might be selling lakhs per month, right? Now, how do you identify, you know, what the typical order volumes are? So if you recall, we spoke about reviews to order ratio. So let's say you type shopping board in the search bar and you see that there are top five products which have like 10,000 reviews, right? That tells you, and, and the typical order to re, uh, review to order ratio is one to 5%. So you get to know that for a particular product, what would be the lifetime volumes of orders that a particular product would have done. Would have done. And, and then Amazon also tells you when did the product start selling? When you actually go on to that product towards the bottom up, just above the reviews part, it tells you when was the product first available on Amazon. So that can help you to understand that, okay, this is the total number of lifetime orders that the product has achieved so far. And this is the tenure that it has taken in order to get there. So that helps you to understand and build a realistic expectation of what you can achieve if you were to venture into that category. So that's that's point one. So if you see that the lifetime order value, uh, like the number of orders for a product is 10,000, and this has been achieved over a four year period, and that particular product is the top seller, then in that case, you know that if, if the top seller is doing 10,000 in, in the lifetime, which means, let's say, even if we take an average, it's 2,500 per year. That means you can't expect to do more than 2,500, even if you become number one in the category. So then your goal needs to be lesser than that. You will get like a overall capping that, okay, this is where I can get to, right? Of course, Amazon on a year-on-year basis is growing as a platform. But when you try to look at those products which have been there for more than two years on the platform and those categories which are fairly stable not something which is very very revolutionary something which is a new trend or a new fad 
right there the growth rates can be very very abrupt but in cases which are more commodities which are more regular use products which have, which would grow at a steady state and not have those abrupt uptrend down in those cases you can be sure that you know this particular model of calculating the goal or, or you know calculating the north star would suffice for you to do an initial expectation setting mm-hmm. of course amazon as a platform is still a market place and there are new sellers which are coming on a day on day basis selling on platform tomorrow if one of the existing seller just slashes the price from 500 rupees to 300 rupees obviously their order volumes will will go through the roof and you know they they will shatter all these kind of models out there but if we look at an ideal case scenario where the growth is pretty steady the product is like a regular use product this this particular model can hold true and it's very critical to have the right expectation from the product because how many quantities you order initially from your manufacturer you know what kind of a bet you want to take is also something that you can understand by looking at this north star metric right you might invest in 5000 units in the pre launch stage itself and you would figure that okay my north star is just 1000 units that would mean that you will take 5 years to sell the the inventory that you have bought which is absolutely bizarre so i think from a launch perspective getting the right expectation setting is very very critical by looking at these this model that we just spoke makes sense so akshay thanks for coming on this episode of the business project and sharing your knowledge on marketplace growth this has been slightly longer than the other episodes but has a ton of value and has been a super insightful session so thanks once again great it's it's been fun talking to you as well i hope that listeners will find something insightful from it and you know be able to apply some of those in their existing or future prospective businesses so yeah uh, all the very best for that if you would like to optimize your product listing and find the right keywords to target on amazon check out the link in the show notes to get a discount on your helium 10 subscription Feel free to also reach out to either Akshay or me in case of any of your queries with respect to scaling on Amazon. Until next time, cheers.